Eric Veal with the AppsJack Capable Communities Podcast, and I am coming to you from Seattle, Washington, which is home of Microsoft, Amazon, Facebook, Boeing, and an incredible startup ecosystem that rivals Silicon Valley. Each episode, I bring on friends and guests who are executives and business leaders from the local community and around the world to talk about a topic that we find very interesting. Please enjoy this episode. All right, this is Eric Veal, and we're back with the AppsJack Capable Communities podcast. And today on the show, I have Josh Barrow, a friend of mine in the Seattle area. Uh, Actually, we're on the east side in Bellevue today. And uh, we're going to continue with our theme of the IT management topic. And Josh is a security expert on, on a couple episodes ago, we had Don Alvarez on, and um, Don told us about security architecture, and so we got to learn more about modern security architecture practices. And uh, Josh runs a security or cybersecurity firm, and so today we're going to continue to learn more from Josh about issues with cybersecurity, what are some of the problems and threats that organizations are under today and and some of the practices and tools that his business uses to help clients. So welcome, welcome to the show, Josh, and say hi, introduce yourself, and we'll just kick it off. All righty. Thank you, Eric. Glad to be on the show. And so a little bit of background about myself. I have some deep experience in technology. I guess I consider myself a technology leader. Um, I've worked in startup as a managing partner. I've worked as an executive in enterprise. I've also been a consultant. And also have a military background, so kind of a wide swath with breadth and a little bit of depth in some areas as well. And looking forward to touching on some topics with you today. And how did you wind up getting into security architect or security at all or cybersecurity? What what was interesting about it to you, or where did it ever become a thing? Military? A little bit military. I think I think we're in the technology age too, and I think that there's there's just like your your podcast or your themes of your podcast kind of display. There's really big data. Along with big data comes some compliance and controls concerns that uh, that companies should consider. And so I think because of that, my career and my career path have kind of gone in that direction as well. So yeah, yeah, I would agree 100%. So yeah, on the when we recorded the last four episodes about IT management, we we were brainstorming. You know, what are we going to talk about and Don really wanted to cover the security architecture perspective because it is a critical lens. You can't purely be excited about technology and all of its promises because we all know that it has many dark sides. And uh, and, and I've made the point at the end of that episode that uh, what if there comes a day where we spend more time working on trying to control and, and constrain the internet or technology than we do working on it? And I don't like the idea of that risk, but there's clearly a, a market opportunity, business opportunity, or really just problems in the market or problems in reality where people, of course, have careers in cybersecurity management. And this is, it, it, it is an industry. I'd also say over the past 15, 20 years, as infrastructures become a little more formalized, whether it be the cloud, whether it be cell towers, whether it be the, the actual servers themselves, Organization companies didn't really consider cybersecurity during their build-out, during their design. And now it truly needs to be a part of that because of all the concerns around PCI and, and other uh, you know, financial uh, industry hacks and things like that. So there's definitely 
we have massive infrastructure out there now with massive data and a lot of concerns that that need to be addressed along the way. So, 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 so from a macro scale, there's really big problems with existing infrastructure or things that people have built out in the past. There's there's kind of crummy stuff that people have made, and I'm sure that there's there comes uh, an economic decision where it's like the the problems with that infrastructure that we already have are so bad. We can't just put lipstick on the pig, and at some point we got to go refresh it and and get a better. I agree. I, I really think back then it was the wild, wild west, right? And we were building Little House on the Prairie. Now these days we're building the Taj Mahal. Sure. And if there's a balance in there. Of course, you can't always build the Taj Mahal, but there's definitely, now that we're more formalized, we're going from, you know, building the the wild, wild west version of a town to now actually having full-blown infrastructure, utilities, and things like so that. What, so what's an example of a kind of a failure of like a poorly designed or one of these old systems that was crummy that's just a stinker that we maybe would know about today? I'll give a couple examples. I'd say uh, if you go around and visit cell towers, for example, right, telecom, telecom infrastructure, there are some sites out there that were built probably, you know, 20 years ago at this point. They've had some upgrades. Um, there's simple lease. There, there's, it's it's easy to do maybe an upgrade on it. Or maybe it's not so easy to do an upgrade on it. Um, but it was designed without a lot of uh, input from the various SMEs within the organization. Um, and so you go out there and you see it, and you're like, wow, that's that was built and designed in a, in a, you know, without the capacity, without the other things to consider, uh, with with uh, with that in mind. Um, and so I think today's design, today's kind of landscape, you have a lot more formalized things to consider. Now, the challenge of that is current infrastructure design requires quite a bit of uh, teams and development in order to consider the build-out. Back then, maybe it was a little bit simpler. Um, but you're going to have ultimately at the end state is a, is a, is a better design site that's better for the customer. Um, that's just a kind of a telecom example. I'd say also on the data center infrastructure side, you have servers out there that may not be being monitored by certain teams that may have essentially legacy patches on them, um, legacy applications on them, uh, high risk, high risk kind of environment where where teams, uh, where essentially teams and the organization itself are putting themselves at risk for potentially breaches. So. Um, nowadays, you have in the enterprise side of things, you have more of a formalized intake process with DevOps, uh, with the design team, with the build team. And so I, I think because of that, again, sometimes it makes things go slower, maybe, not always, but you're going to have better control, better compliance in place um, to avoid those types of risks. So, And, and controls seems like the big word, right? I mean, the, the theme kind of feels like it is controls that... Um, that so, for example, I used to work in healthcare. I literally was in an engineering group, and our team, my team, was design control systems, and we were federally regulated, and it was our job to have good procedure process and so forth. And 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 at that time, uh, they distinguished Siemens did between risk, which is more like business risk, and and like all the things that could happen, and harm, which is actually. Uh, harming the patient indeed. And so that, that that class of risk that was harm, there was special treatment, special procedure and whatnot for that kind of like the most uh, 
you know, the, the worst of the worst types of scenarios. And is, is the cybersecurity uh, industry organized in a similar way where it's like severity of risk or issue? And then like what we were saying before, there's um, things that for like the, the current infrastructure, like the cell, cell towers, like you said, at some point, it's just that is what it is. You're not going to further retrofit that thing to get up to compliance. And so, therefore, the opportunities in cybersecurity are working with uh, people that made cell towers, as an example, previously on better designs that are more rigorous, that have better controls based on modern criteria within the new product development. So there's like stuff for improving old products, but at some point you just have to scrap it and whatnot and start over. Are most of the opportunities on the kind of new product development consulting for cybersecurity and figuring out how to like add the process or practice that is about controls as as the engineering teams make new products? Uh, well, I'm glad you mentioned the different industries. I'd say there's definitely uh, you know, a CAO has to help develop and build a strategy. So that strategy should be nested in what the largest kind of risks are to the organization. So, you know, in healthcare, you have HIPAA kind of compliance and regulation and things like that. Um, there's, there's other uh, SOC compliance and, and large-scale enterprises, there's financial data, there's PCI. Um, there, there's, there's essentially teams uh, that are dedicated, you know, information security teams that are dedicated to this as well. So, I, I mean, I'd say that, it, it comes down to a strategy, but part of the strategy should be kind of an internal control, security controls review. What's our focus now? How do we how do we align with this living, breathing environment of cybersecurity? Where are our biggest risks? Where are our biggest holes? What are the things that we should be doing to prevent to prevent a, a major breach? But plan for or consider a breach probably happening. Ninety eight percent of companies out there will at least have some sort of target upon them for some sort of breach, yeah. which is definitely a strong consideration. And, and I'm sure there's a, a tone from the top sort of thing, like the C, CEO would need to know and care about it. I mean, you ultimately do need that kind of buy-in. I would think that, especially if you're a tech company or you're touching data really in any way, which is to say almost every company probably, that the CEO needs to understand their security policy issue risk, et cetera. The question I was going to ask is more about the, the other roles that touch it. So in the last podcast episode, we talked about the role of the CIO, and I made the point that the function of the chief security officer is probably some subset of the CIO's role, that like once the security risk threat problem, et cetera, uh, is identified and is big enough, then you probably do need to have a champion that beats the drum that is the chief security officer, for example. Mm-hmm. Many organizations, uh, I don't who knows what percentage, have a chief security officer. Uh, many organizations would probably need to elect somebody that's like that or at least plays that role. So if they had a quality management system and if they knew that they had a, a security management process or whatever, somebody needs to own that. At its best, it's a chief security officer, and it's sponsored by the CIO and the CEO and the CTO. And that was another point I was going to make is the CTO, and this to me relates back to previous episodes where we talk about um, the excitement of business intelligence or like the power of business intelligence and big data, all the the applications basically for all that stuff. 
and we talk about distributed uh, systems and how cool it is to have all of our devices and IoT and everything that gets created, but we need to have a controls a control side of that whole equation. And there's been so much excitement created with, or and there is being so much excitement created around IoT and all the things that it brings, for example. And we need to have a, a management structure to control the technology that starts with the CEO, but then you need an owner that's the chief security officer at best. And at worst, you need to have somebody that cares that would be willing to listen, talk about lead, invest. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot required. I agree. And the CTO, the CIO, the CSO, they all have to, they have to build and agree upon scalable, adaptable organizations to meet the need. No one in the operations side or DevOps or any of those types of organizations want to hear the word compliance or they want to, you know, they, they want to build, they want to deliver to the customer. So you almost have to build a culture and kind of create a culture within those organizations to consider these things, not to slow them down, but to kind of, you know, prevent yeah. and become more of a proactive than a reactive environment. So is, is that saying that it's beneficial to have a risk averse uh so Tableau, for example, talks about um, they want to help create analytical cultures. And so, so from one frame of mind, you can say, well, yeah, data, data is very powerful. And so we need to, I guess the question is, how, do you, how would any company assess or determine their outstanding security risk? How would they know how bad their problem is? Personally, for me, I would build a distributed organization where you have some components of, of CIS, the corporate information security groups, embedded within all of these teams, uh, depending on the nature and the activity of that functional area, to have someone assigned to that team. So, and then they all report back up to the CSO, but they're a distributed team, almost like a matrix style. And then they can actually kind of help build that culture. And this would be a kind of a phased approach. Mm-hmm. You know, ultimately, maybe they're not required to be embedded because maybe the culture will change. Yeah. But I think that's kind of that's a big first step at the enterprise level to, for that sort of strategy or approach. So does that mean there should be, for example, a security department? I, I do agree there should be a – and I consider the security department to be information security. InfoSec, but, right, which is kind of part of the, the IT org, right? It's more like a capability of the IT – Org that you have maybe hired some people that are your security people and they're focused on that issue. And there's probably not a separate department for it for whatever reason. Different organizations have different approaches around there, but yes, I, I would consider that. I would consider that part of the, I guess you call it security organization. Yes. Yeah, I, I guess what I'm trying to get at is like it feels like it's important to keep it simple. With if it is an important thing, I'm trying to make the point that. An organization at some point would need to allocate funds, and I'm not trying to sell or promote your business per se, but I'm saying that anybody that's listening that is working for a company uh, that has or carries data, etc., they need to be aware of this issue of cybersecurity because personal info can leak, you know, secrets can leak, and all these things. And so somebody has to be caring about this issue. Probably it's the head of IT. By, by default that is caring about that issue. But if the issue is important enough, the, that head of IT needs to continue to make investments in staff and departments, and there has to be a very formal structure at some point 
to manage the whole. And I think show. that the structure is living, breathing. That yeah. It has to adapt to the to the needs. But I'd say that it all starts with the security controls review. With that security controls review, you can pinpoint where your biggest holes are. What are your biggest risks? What are the biggest financial risks? What are the biggest security risks? So you can kind of determine those and then kind of drive your organization behind that. And I think that does ultimately lead to, at least in the near term, a distributed organization where information security experts are embedded in these organizations to help drive the culture. Makes sense. And so that's a data-driven thing. Like, tell me more about what that, I guess, audit looks like or how long does that take? Well, I mean, it, it, there's a lot of it depends in this sure, type of, course, of world, course, right? Course. But I'd say you can literally probably do a security controls review in a couple of days. Okay. It doesn't necessarily require a, a proof of concept or proof of technology, but it does require a little sit down with leaders on how you approach certain things. Um, potentially even a, a pen test or a penetration test to maybe even consider as well. And I think, I think ultimately, even just the fact that you're even talking about these things is a huge step in the right direction for your business because ultimately companies that invest in cybersecurity have 17% gains financially because they've invested in that. It's the prevention of the large-scale financial breach. There are some healthcare sure. things now. Now we got the ransomware. Right, right. We got the pet yeah and the non-pet yeah and the dirty cow and you know want to cry. I mean there's just you, the list goes on and on and there's there's a lot of different entry points to these endpoints. but yeah. Right, and so there, there are tools and solutions and things to keep it simple and whatnot, and I don't always do the best job of keeping it simple. That's maybe <laughs> not who, people don't know me for that uh, very well, but um, I, I was going to ask, like, what's an example of a, can you give us a concrete example of a small-ish business that's not too complex that we could all imagine that has infrastructure and or some degree of security risk where an, an audit of that stuff would help and what that would look like. I'm glad you mentioned that. Having experience in both the enterprise side and on the small business side, there's a there's a large difference in how they manage their IT infrastructure. Now, again, on the, on the small business side, we have customers from various industries. We have healthcare, like a small dermatology office. We have um, a distilling company. We have a substance abuse company, so there's, there's just it's just very, very, very broad. But what I've noticed from a trending perspective is small businesses, I would say probably 50 million in revenue or less, aren't as focused on compliance, but they want to have something in place to prevent a major breach. And now you said a concrete example. One of our customers, prior to us kind of supporting their cybersecurity and IT managed services needs had a, uh, a ransomware hack essentially occur, and they're they actually have a manufacturing business. So, kind of to relate this and circle this all back, like you were asking, essentially uh, a, a Ukrainian hacker essentially bought their or hacked their system. Someone clicked on, on an email. It was it was uh, this was ransomware, right? So they, they clicked on a uh, a kind of a malware type approach and essentially block their systems and they communicate to them, hey, we'll unblock your access when you pay X amount of Bitcoin. And at first they said, well, no, we're not paying. Okay, so they came back three days later and raised the price of the Bitcoin. Now, we're not talking millions of dollars of Bitcoin. These guys are smart enough that if they start going that, that approach, they're going to have probably 
the FBI or the U.S. authorities, U.S. government. It's like 10 Bitcoin. Yeah. Like, give, give me $1. Exactly. It's economy yeah. of scale. They I go have, after the I board. have your business. Yeah. Give me $1. Give me a dollar. Yeah. And then if I do that to a million businesses, I have a million dollars. That's exactly their approach and their wow. strategy. Okay. And if you look up the details and and uh, you know the data upon how many small businesses have been hacked around this approach, it's unbelievable mm. how, what's going on. I would say I would say 2016 is probably more the year of the you're the ransomware into yeah. 2017. You know, a couple of years ago, it was all about the financial breaches and things like that. So and what, what, are some, what are some of the vulnerabilities? Like, what is, what is an example of a service or tool that people were using that led them down the path? I mean, is it like Yahoo Mail or is it like, what are the examples of uh, like poor technology choices that often are fraught with? I can imagine running old software is an example, but I would think like, Old and cloud, or old and what are some examples? Just to give, just to give some simple examples. I like to use, I like to kind of use an analogy. You can't always use a physical versus virtual analogy, but when you leave your house, you lock the doors, right? Some people do more than that. They actually turn on a security system. Some people do more than that. They have cameras, and some people stream. Some people save the video. So you can get, you can go pretty deep upon that. But the bottom line is, at least lock your doors, right? And I would say the first approach is not opening uh, unsolicited emails. Oh, okay. So, so it's like a phishing thing. Like this phishing, is a personal exactly. comment to personal people, but I'm asking more. So you're saying that emails can be a big threat or that's a big point of entry is there's a whole industry I imagine that's around phishing people for their hackery. Um, but I like, are there, are wait, there other ways? Wait, wait, yeah, one yeah. step when they, when they open that email and they mm -hmm. click on that and they have legacy outdated antivirus. Okay. Then there, then it's just a matter of time before okay. a script runs and essentially okay. your system is breached. I'd say you should also have updated antivirus. Okay. And I think that that's a, that's a there's there's dozens and dozens to choose from in this landscape okay. of antivirus. So that's a simple step, antivirus. I'd say for small, to kind of keep it on the small business range. That is now enterprise needs it too, but enterprise sure. has other other larger scale I issues to, cons to consider. Yes. Anything else that you'd like to tell us about cybersecurity or what your business does or anything you didn't mention? Yeah, I mean, I'd say if you're also yourself going to start up a small business, even at that level, the micro of microest of levels, you should consider cybersecurity. And, and so let, let's say that was me, right? Let's say, let, so factually, you know, I have, I have my own business and I, and I don't have too many employees. And one... And that's me. And so the question is, uh, you know, I've got my Windows laptop and I've got uh, QuickBooks and I've got the basics for a small business. And I'm sure Windows came with some, you know, uh, uh, whatever antivirus software that comes with. Right. It does come with the basics. Now, the basics it, it have been proven to not necessarily protect as well as they could protect. Now, on top of that, I strongly consider there's other antiviruses out there. I mean, and there's a, there's tons of them. You have Kaspersky. You can check the recent news on Kaspersky. Though. They have some relations with foreign governments like mm -hmm. Russia nice. to consider. <laughs> there's but they're friends now. They're, we're, we're, yeah. we're, we're, we're good with Russia now. <laughs> it's fine. We've solved that. <laughs> Perhaps. So there, there's there's Dr. Webb, there's you know there's McAfee slash Intel, there's Symantec, there's Carbon Black, which we strongly recommend at our business. And so 
that's the, the very basic foundation. Any virus is going to do some very good prevention. Now, to take the next level, you have you have uh, vulnerability patch management, things of that level, things of that nature. But if you have a little server under your desk at home and you have a couple laptops, I'm not talking mobile here. I'm talking more around laptops and desktops. You should have something in addition to what was the default. And even if right. you're a Mac user, I would strongly suggest that. That's fair. And then I would imagine just another thought process for people is you kind of have your on-premise network that you've created, even if it's just my laptop and my home network and, and I'm just you know going to coffee shops or whatever as kind of a solopreneur. Um, that, so there, that's one way to look at it. And then I'm sure there's another view, which is the cloud view and where you have your data stored in the cloud and how you've done all that security. Um, it's, it's a big, it's a big There's problem. a lot of considerations and you can start taking the enterprise approach to a small business. But I think, I think at the very macro of levels, I believe personally, it starts with the AV yeah. and kind of how you're still opening your emails and the basics of locking your front door when you leave the house. So makes sense. So security expert, Josh Barrow, the company is J2 LLC. Anything else to say? Like, how do people find J2 LLC? Tell us more basics about your business and offerings. Sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on your show. And uh, our website is www.j2llc.com. Uh, feel, feel free to reach out to me as well, joshua.barrow at j2llc.com. We look forward to hearing more from you, even just a Simply reach out to me on LinkedIn. Let's connect and let's talk about these topics further. Yeah, so they're clearly important topics, and uh, this this episode wasn't meant to be a showcase or a, you know an, an ad for Josh, but I think it is a perfect plug. Obviously, that these are relevant and modern and important issues that organizations of all size, individuals and organizations, individuals of all sizes is what I was going to say, like big people and small people, but uh, you know individuals and organizations have these issues and. Um, they're important issues, and, and Josh and his company work on these things directly. So uh, find Josh online and keep listening to the Apps Jack Capable Communities podcast. This has been a recording. My name is Eric Beal. Uh, you can find me online on LinkedIn and uh, find us at appsjack.com, A-P-P-S-J-A-C-K. Uh, thanks for listening. This has been a conversation about managing information technology and security concerns in the cyber world. Thanks. Thank you. You've been listening to the AppsJack podcast. The creator and host of this podcast is Eric Veal. It was recorded, engineered, and produced by Christian Harris. You can contact us and find all our show notes on our website at appsjack.libsyn.com. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N. If you like what you hear on this podcast, let us know by writing us a very nice five-star review on iTunes and subscribing. You can also find out more by going to appsjack.com slash meetup to get more information on this month's topic and the corresponding meetup group that Eric hosts in Bellevue, Washington each month. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next month for our next episode of the AppsJack podcast. This has been a Seatown Media production. Find out more at seatownmedia.com, S-E-A hyphen townmedia.com.